Cheers to you for joining us today on another episode of Out on the Paddock. This is episode 23. My name is Rob Marshall and I get the immense joy each month of interviewing some of the most amazing people who have made a huge impact and in some cases are still impacting WA country cricket in some way or another. And this one today is a ripper. Throughout the 1990s and well into the 2000s, there weren't too many bigger names in WA country cricket than Albany's Craig Tonkin. Tonks, as most of us know him, is one of the nicest blokes that you will ever meet, and he dominated local cricket in the Great Southern, as well as that senior country week and eventually the Australian country cricket scene during that period. This is a great story of someone who proudly dedicated his whole journey in cricket to WA country, and his story is an inspiration to those who currently are pondering whether the same can still be done these days. The answer is, yes it can. But don't just believe me, sit back now and listen to the journey through WA country cricket of Craig Tonkin. Our guest today is uh, nicely settled down in the beautiful town, city of Albany right now. And uh, for a long time now, he has reigned supreme as, a, as one of the best cricketers to come out of that region, the great southern region. It's great to have joining us on the podcast today, Craig Tonkin. Okay, Rob, thanks for having me, mate. It's so good to have you, mate. I've been uh, chasing your tail for a while to get uh, get on the podcast because uh, you're one of the more requested people I've had over the journey to join us. Better start off right from the get-go with a bit of disclaimer for the uh, listeners tuning in. We didn't, well, I, I think you knew probably before me, but I hadn't for a long time throughout our career, through through a career that oh, I'm a little bit older than you, but uh, sort of semi-paralleled, worked out after a while, we're actually related. And um, I think the connection, correct me if I'm wrong, not real good with this sort of stuff sometimes, your grandma was Nellie? Yep. Yep. And so Nellie was a marshal and her brother was my dad. So that made her my uncle. Everybody listening in going, is going, what is he talking about? But have I got that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. And like I said, Rob, we've been playing cricket against each other and didn't realise that until, and my dad was the one that said to me, he was a marshal. And I went, well, what do you want about dad? Like, yeah. And in, in the end, he even told me that, he was named after your dad, so my dad Arthur was named after your dad. So incredible uh, coincidence that one, or not coincidence? Incredible connection, and uh, might sort of lean somewhere into some of the the history of your rise, I suppose, in cricket. Because, um, and we'll put myself and yourself aside for one minute. The marshals of East Broom Hill were some cricketers, and we're talking about not just the the, the boys and the clan, but your mum and her sisters as well. I remember my dad telling me very often that the whole of the East Prune Hill team was made up pretty much all of marshals, including the girls, the sisters in the team. He swore till the day he died that he never saw or played against or with a better wicketkeeper than his sister Thelma. He <laughs> reckoned she was absolutely the best wicketkeeper ever. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's a bit in the genes there. But maybe just let's rewind a bit. You were not always in Albany. Where were you born? Uh, I was born in Catanning, so not far from Broomhill there, Rob. Um, but I only, only stayed there a very 
two months, I think, and then I think we shipped up to Mora where Dad was um, involved with CBH, so he got a promotion up there. So I spent the next eight years in Mora, um, and then and same again, he got he got moved on to Albany, and that's where I've been ever since. So do you have obviously no recollections of of Katanning, but Mora, you know, some recollections of. You know, some great cricketers came out of that region back in the day. Unfortunately, maybe not as strong now as it once was, but uh, certainly some amazing cricketers in Mora. Do you have any recollections of going to games in Mora or around that district? Yeah, I did. I think Sunday was the day uh, when cricket was played in those Wheatbelt towns. Uh, heading up to places like Miling, um, Wotheroo, uh, Bindi Bindi, that wasn't even, I don't even think that town exists anymore, but those are the names I remember. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually do remember it because there was always good weather in Morris, so we were either going to swing pool or, and, yeah, and cricket seemed to be a good place to be on a Sunday. Yeah, it's funny how we recollect now of towns that, yeah, in some cases don't exist. I went out to a, a little cricket ground a couple of weeks ago or about a month ago called Pumphrey's Bridge, I think it is, out the back of Williams. Uh, if I've got that wrong, apologies, but uh, I just stood out in the middle. There's an old pitch out there still there and I just stood out and I just soaked in what at one point I'm told was quite an active cricket club and and I just, you know, yearn for those sort of days. So I love hearing about those sort of stories of, of games in Wotheroo and Bindi Bindi and places that pop, perhaps don't have cricket clubs now. Um, because it's it's just great to capture that history, I reckon, and I'm sure Mora, even though it was only for a few years, had some influence in developing your game. Dad throwing a few balls at you in a net somewhere, I'm guessing. Well, there seemed to be a lot of them, I think, um, and I think, yeah, the sessions went for a fair while, um, and and they didn't always go well, um, but Dad was always, <laughs> always you know, honing technique and uh, footwork was his big thing, you know, and... Um, and even when we moved down to Albany, that didn't, you know, didn't stop, you know. Yeah, there seemed to be, yeah, numerous sessions. And mum, Cheryl, that right? Yeah, that's right? right. Yep, Cheryl. Yeah, mum, mum have any sort of sporting influence on you as well or was it mainly dad? I know dad had quite a, uh, a long and extensive career playing bush cricket, playing country cricket. Yeah, he, he, he did. Um, and mum, mum followed us around. Obviously, uh, it was always a family outing. Um, and mum used to do the scoring. I remember up in the yeah, up in yeah. Morris. So um, yeah, she's always a keen keen follower of, of my sport and dad's as well. Yeah, yeah. Now you then you moved. If I've got the timeline right, to to Albany when you were about eight or nine, and then pretty much the last forty years or so has been been based in Albany. And I'm guessing that's where your your real cricket kicked off and and started to develop. Do you have sort of Memories, did you play junior country week for a start with Albany or uh, was it uh, more just playing it at a local level? Yeah, I remember playing uh, junior country week from an early age of 13, so I was lucky enough to go three or four years. Um, didn't play a lot of junior cricket, I don't think. I, I, I was pretty much progressed into senior cricket, you know, by about 12. Um, and then, <laughs> yeah, so that's where it was and then into A-grade cricket, you know, a few years after that, but... Continue to play a bit of junior cricket, but yeah, I think the focus was always on the senior cricket. So, who who was the club you landed at in Albany? There's some amazing cricket clubs over a long, long history. Probably, arguably, one of the the most consistent cricket 
associations in in WA country over 100 years or more. Um, where did you land? Which club? Well, North Albany was my original club, which I played juniors and, and B grade for. And then um, I was lucky enough they they made a team called Colts, which is an A grade side, and they had three senior nominated players and the rest of the boys were under 21s. Because at that stage, not a lot of young kids were playing senior cricket. So they saw it as an advantage or an opportunity for those kids to get an opportunity in, in, in playing A-grade cricket, whereas they wouldn't if they stayed at their normal clubs. So they created this new club, um, which I played for for the next seven years. Um, I think it hung around for a couple more years after that, but unfortunately things changed. Clubs needed those younger players back, so it sort of folded up and went back the other way, which is unfortunate. Were there some senior influences in that Colts team or was it just all, you know, 13, 14, 15-year-olds in that team? Well, most of the kids were uh, 19, 20, 21. I was just lucky I was one of the younger ones. Um, Yeah, with the three senior players, uh, I think in the first year we had Paul Nichols, who was a former state cricketer. um, And Nico was someone who who was a tough, you know, cricketer and he didn't take take anything, you know. He, He would tell you if you were, weren't going well and you know, I learned a lot from him. Um, that was only a couple of years under him. So, um, yeah, he was one of my first first captains. So once you got to the phase of going, I think I'm actually pretty good at this, like many of us, and I know I reflect back on my time, especially through probably late primary school into early high school, maybe even into late high school, I think I think I probably just assumed that at some point I'd play, you know, at the highest level for Australia, um, you know, and then probably reality set in after a while that that wasn't going to happen. Did you have high aspirations <laughs> as a kid to, to play at a top level? Yeah, I think so. As a kid I did, yeah, um, very young. Of course you did, you know, watch cricket all the time and you wanted to do it, but you're exactly right, Rob. As uh, reality sets in and you realise how hard it is just to make an under-17 or under-19 state team, Yep. Let alone, you know, another level again. Yeah, that's when it hits home to you, I think. And I think it's, a, it's a, you know, something that from my own lessons, and I'm guessing it's similar for you, that I, in kids I coach, I try and impart that the main goal is always to do the best you can. Now, the best you can could be playing for your local club in Albany or in, you know, in my case, in the Bunbury and Districts Cricket Association, and you can still celebrate that that is an amazing achievement. You know, um, there's what been about 450 baggy greens in over 130 years. So it's not something that comes along to everybody to represent your, your country and, and even your state in some cases, like you just said, is it, it, cricket in Australia is at such a high level that uh, unless you are extremely, I guess you could say, talented beyond most, you're probably less likely than than likely. Did you have a moment where you considered Perth and the options that may have come up around, you know, playing in Perth? Yeah, I did have a, an option when I was 19 um, to go to Perth, which I is, is just one of the regrets um, that I didn't do, you know. Um, but at the time, I think I'd, I'd just taken on a new job. I'd got an apprentice. Printing, which I'm still doing today, you know. So I yep. saw that as important, but in hindsight, I probably could have done the Perth thing. Um, and I do regret not going up to Perth and 
even though I played later against those Perth teams, I wish I could have done it full time. And I think probably, you know, for many back then, in, it sounds like we're ancient history, but it's not that long ago, um, it was it was a case of, you know, you had priorities at home and, you know, if you worked on a farm out in the wheat belt or if you, in my case, worked on a farm even around the Harvey region, you, you know, sort of you had those pressures of, family responsibilities as well. So sometimes we do have regrets and certainly I have some similar regrets, but and yet I'm guessing that you, even though you've got those moments of thinking back on that, as we start to now reflect on your country career, you still have a lot of pride in what you were able to achieve in WA country cricket? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I look back and and I, I loved every every year that I played for the country 11 and um, that thing I wish I'd Wish I could have played more, but um, that's partly my fault that I didn't, you know, and it wasn't an easy team to get into, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, I look back and think the nine years I had, yeah, I couldn't be any happier. Well, probably I'm, I'm probably getting a little bit ahead of us right now because I want to sort of take us through that journey of your career because that's part of what we're, we're achieving on this podcast is capturing the amazing people who have played, not the amazing people, just people who have played country cricket and have given them that you could say sometimes their their lives to country cricket in many respects you call it out as 34 years straight you played a grade cricket in albany and we'll get into some of the albany cricket and some of the rivalries and that shortly but i'll go as i do i've dived into my cricket and grabbed some of your stats recognizing of course as i've called out a number of times that because my cricket only really kicked off in the mid-2000s. You'd already played pretty much half a career by then. Um, but my cricket's got you at 215 matches with a highest score of 191, 7,608 runs at an unbelievable batting average of 40.25 and 148 wickets at 16.96. But I've done done a little bit of, you know, reasoning as I've done with a couple of other guests we've had on the podcast. I reckon you could double that and then you add in what I know you've racked up and we'll go through with the Australian Country 11 shortly and I've got you around 16 to 20,000 runs in your career and somewhere in the vicinity of 500 wickets, which is just phenomenal um, by anybody's standards and pretty much is up there with with the best of the best. Did you have a, a preference for batting or bowling or was it always going to be an all-rounder? I thought I was probably a better batsman uh, than bowler, but I was happy to do both, obviously, because, you know, as time went on, things, if you didn't make any runs, then it was something to look forward to or go and, you know, bowl and have a decent crack. But probably thought I was a better bowler, a batsman, sorry, but I, I probably didn't get the best out of myself um, at the next level with my batting and my bowling was still, you know, thereabouts. So, Yeah, well, you're calling that right because um, well, we'll go through your Country 11 career in a moment and in particular your, your time at, at the Australian Country Cricket Championships. Before we get to that, when did sort of you start to feel as though you were getting notice, you know, getting noticed um, by... Country 11 selectors, was it some performances that you now look back that you did at Country Week or perhaps, you know, some in what was, you know, effectively the Country Cup back in the day under a different name at times, but the Country Cup. Where where did you feel as though you started to fit at the highest level of WA country cricket? Yeah, I think it was probably a year or two or a year before I got selected. Um, we'd played Peel a couple of times as Albany did 
in the A grade final and the you know country cup final, and I did did well in both of those games. And then they basically had three or four or five you know guys in the country eleven side then. So I think that's when people started to go, oh well, yeah, he can you know compete, you know, or be involved in the team. So that was probably when it when it started to click for me, you know, um, well, I actually didn't think I was good enough because I, I used to watch you know, and see that team and go, you know, most of those guys dominated us when they played us, so I didn't think I fitted in there. So, yeah, that's when I got the opportunity to go to uh, the camp the next year and, and rather than years gone by and I'd been to a few camps, it was like, oh, I'm just going to the camp to make up the numbers. They turned around and said to me, no, nah, you'll be playing this year. So, well, that, that's when I just went, well... Yeah, okay. That was a good thing for them to say you're actually playing. So that's when it started to really take off. Mm. Yeah, and the rest became history, which we will talk about a lot of that history because it's pretty amazing, um, your, especially your time once you got into the Australian Country Cricket Championships. You did note to me that from a challenge point of view to get to that next level, and I, I, I didn't sort of, I didn't quite take in what you were meaning, so you might want to explain it to us, that, that you had to work on your health around about 1998. You had, you had to consider certain aspects of your health. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, it was probably a little bit of a turning point for me as well. Um, I'd got sick for a while, didn't know what was wrong. They ended up in hospital, um, lost a bit of weight. Anyway, things were uh, fixed up and so when you come out of hospital and you're 70 kilos, I sort of had to get strong and get fit. So that was I had to do that for life, not for anything else. And coincidentally, um, when I did that, um, my cricket the next year went to a next level at a local, you know, so I won a few awards next year, so my batting and bowling was really good the next year. So it wasn't a coincidence that I, I got fit and um, my cricket improved. And it, it says a lot for the fact that I think even back then there was a, a bit of a general consensus that you're either talented as a batsman or talented as a bowler and there wasn't probably as big a focus on fitness as there maybe is now and yet I think what you've called out and was proven time and time again and we saw this even with the Australian team in the late 90s into the 2000s where they dominated, their fitness in the field and their even just their fielding because of that extra level of fitness just took them to a whole new stratosphere compared to the other countries around Australia at that time, so around the world, sorry, at that time. So... Perhaps in some ways that health battle you had did you a favour and uh, and got you to the next step, which is which is amazing because you're understating, you're a humble person, you're understating what you then achieved over the next number of years playing for the West Australian Country Eleven at the Australian Country Cricket Championships. I've got the stats here. You're up there in um, in one of the most capped players ever for Western Australia with 44 caps during the Australian Country Cricket Championships over the uh, best part of a decade. Um, a higher score of 142 versus South Australia. We might come back to that one in a moment. Um, you made it in total 993 runs across the, your um, ACCC career, which obviously is disappointing you didn't make <laughs> it to the, the 1,000, but probably more disappointing is I noticed you fell four runs short of the, the great Tuck Waldron, so he's still got one over you, I guess. And I know Tuck listens into this, so uh, he'll be happy about that one. But it is the, according to my figures, the eighth 
still the eighth highest run scorer for WA. Um, do you remember the 142 versus South Australia? That's that's a fair effort, that one. Yeah, I do. Um, and I remember being in early that day in the in the, in the first 10 overs or something like that. I think I batted at four that day. So, and batted right through to the last over, and that was 100 over cricket. So it was a, it was a bit of a grind. Um, it was a long day. Um, but, yeah, I do have fond memories. Um, I only made one 100, so it's pretty happy. You've got to take that one. That is pretty amazing. I... I Glenn Deering has, uh, and you've noted uh, when you and I had a bit of a catch-up that I actually threw to Craig um, to give me some of the most influential or inspirational people throughout his life and especially his cricket career, and he listed Dad as number one for just throwing more balls than you can ever imagine at him. But uh, you mentioned Glenn Deering as one of the most inspirational and influential people. Um from my take on it, he was he was pretty much uh, a consistent captain of the Australian country eleven during your time, and and how how do you, how well, maybe explain why why do you class him as so influential in your career? Yeah, well, Glenn was captain for six years that I was I was in the team, um, and he was just one of those guys who would lead from the front with the bat of the ball, and I sort of used to watch how he used to go about things and. I used to I took that back to my own game in, in club cricket and try and do the same things because he was sort of an inspirational leader. The rest of us used to sort of jump on behind him and just do you know, little bits here and there. But not only that, he he sort of helped. He hadn't had an ability of, of when you weren't having a good day to have that confidence in you to get the best out of you. And, and in, in the end, he'd turn around at the end of the day and say, yeah, well, look, I told you so, didn't I, you know? Um <laughs> That's it. You have the ability to get that out of you. So, well, those two aspects for me were what made him a very good captain and a good leader. He certainly was, and and in a little bit of a tangent, I think many in the cricket community may know, or maybe they don't know, but Glenn's currently going through a health battle of his own, and it's been you know uh, a pretty tough last few months in particular with um, the process that he's going through. So I'm sure we'd uh, both want to give a shout-out to, to Dero at this point and wish him all the very well with that um, that battle ahead. No, definitely I agree with you, Rob. I, I hope, yeah. I hope it uh, is a happy outcome for, for Glenn. I hope he's going well. Yeah, yep. I've got to do this, mate. I'm really sorry, but I've got to call this out. I, I, I really scrolled through your uh, your stats from the Australian Country Cricket Championships playing for West Australian Country Eleven. I think you know where this one's going. <laughs> um, you are actually sitting. You've got a you've got a lot of history, a lot of place in history in the championships. We've been around for about fifty years. You're right in the the top ten or top twenty in so many different aspects of if you dive into the figures. But the one that probably caught my attention is your currently sitting fifth on the ladder of the most ducks ever scored at the Australian Country Cricket Championships. Um, any reason? Were you a nervous starter or what was the go? <laughs> well, I was and I do have a bit of a story. I got a pair one day down in Waruna, um, which when the carnival was in Mandurah, of all, of yes. all places, and um, there was someone, one of Dale Burns's family members, I won't dob them in who they are, but was taking pictures <laughs> And, and I think Dale had a bit of a vested interest in this because, like, I think he's on that list you're talking about, Rob. And <laughs> there were pictures of me getting my, my pair and my second. I, I don't even reckon I'd have my pads off, Rob. And Dale had had this picture blown up, watered in, and, you know, it's got that funny laugh, Bernsey. And, like, 
Yeah, sticking it up on the, he thought it was the funniest thing he'd ever, ever seen. <laughs> yeah, well, Bernsey, if you're listening in, I hope you're still enjoying that photo because um, oh. I'm sure uh, at different times <laughs> you, you you paid it back in spades at Country Week against the Peel boys, I'm, I'm guessing, so, or I'm hoping you did because uh, we all enjoyed beating Peel back in the day. They were that strong. They were an amazing team, Peel of the, the 90s and 2000s. I'm not finished yet, though, with the Country 11 and especially the Australian Country Cricket Championships because whilst your batting was exceptional, you mentioned before you saw yourself more in the light of uh, as a batting all-rounder um, who bowled a bit. Well, it's a, a, the Country 11 level that you actually was outstanding with the ball, 83 wickets, an average of 23.24 um, best bowling of five for 43, which still rates you in the top 10 in the history of the Australian Country Cricket Championships, which is just exceptional. And I, I need to sort of point out, especially for the listeners who, who possibly can't uh, recollect or perhaps just simply don't know of, of the format of the Country Cricket Champs back then, it was mostly two-day games, wasn't it? There wasn't, certainly wasn't any T20s. Uh, I think there was a combination of one-dayers and two-day games, but certainly the two-day game was a real test for you guys. Yeah, well, the nine years I played, I think we only played three or four one-day games and the rest were 100-over cricket, um, two-day two 100-over cricket. So it was different, different to what they play nowadays. Um, yeah. For sure. Did you, you know, find yourself having the ball thrown to you by... Dero and co, you know, or captain to bowl long spells? Was that the sort of role you had to play? Was it an into, into the wind type role or or how did that play out? Because you had some um, some pretty serious quick bowlers around you at that point. Yeah, did that's exactly, uh, you described it well there, Rob. I think my, I found a role because um, we had, like you said, a few quick bowlers like, so Dougie Ellis, Mick Carmody, um, Chris Waddingham, those sort of blokes, um, and they all wanted to come down, Breeze. Like they, they did not push it into it. So, um, <laughs> it's just, it's just, yeah, that's exactly how it was. I was, I was at the bottom end, Rob, and I was only a medium paces. So, yeah, sometimes there was, you know, thirty overs a day, and and then you'd back up yep. the next day and, and bowl another, you know, twenty as well. So that was really tough. I think um, I think you're highlighting the fact that it just simply was different cricket. Now, I'm not uh, suggesting for one minute that what our guys that you know playing Country Eleven now at the championships aren't doing amazing things. You know, they they still have a huge format to play through over a fortnight. One day cricket is pretty taxing, and T20 just quietly can be pretty taxing as well. But it was a different style of cricket, and just that whole you know bowling long spells into the wind, probably those days have diminished a bit, but uh, you, you certainly mastered it. When you um, look back on your Australian Country Cricket Championships and the WA Country 11 representation, is it the, you know, the, the wins that stick out the most or is it the friendships or, you, you know, you played in a championship winning team at least once that I can work out in Bundaberg, I think it was. What stands out in your time playing for the WA Country 11? All of those things, Rob. Um, the two weeks that you spend away together with a bunch of lads who are all on the same page, um, playing, you know, a different level of cricket, um, it all... Yeah, and then having that success, well, we only had that success once in the nine years. So, I mean, I realised how hard it was. But, yeah, like you say, those friendships, that you know, the times you spent away for those two weeks and all the stories that go with it, um, yeah, are the things that, that I remember fondly, yeah. 
And at that point, especially when you were playing, um, uh, playing uh, in a lot of championships, which takes up a lot of time and a lot of commitment, and especially, and we'll, ta- we'll sort of dive into this a little bit more in a little while, uh, especially if you come from somewhere like Albany or Kalgoorlie or Geraldton or, or wherever, um, had you met Tani at that point? Uh, you, were you connected um, with your partner? Mo, uh, well, I met Tani 13 years ago, so uh, she she wasn't involved at the time when I was doing all that travel and that. Um, but yes, so Tani is uh, been with her for 13 years, and I've got two we've got two boys together now, so that's where a lot of that time is with now. But I'm not sure I could have been able to do it back then with a young family. Brandon and Mac, Brandon and Mac are your uh, your boys, so they're keeping you busy these days. But um, yeah, you're right. I mean. Well, I'm, I know that some in, in the team probably had partners or were married at that point. It is a, a big ask. Um, I think, again, um, just sort of making the listeners aware, it's a huge commitment to, to play for the WA Country 11 each season with the amount of travel you've got to do. And that two weeks away, it's, it, it's right in the middle of school holidays, right after Christmas. Um, huge commitment and um, partners do play a role in that, even though Tani um, managed to, to escape that one. <laughs> a lot of, you know, shout out to all the partners of players who've played together, uh, played, not played together, but played uh, their role in allowing, you know, their, their partners to go away to those championships in particular. When you um, had sort of finished your Country 11 career, did you... Uh, then turn your sights to, you know, the process of playing still some really good cricket in Albany and, and I know you did. Where had you landed by then? If we scroll, go back a bit, you were, you'd been at a club called Colts and then where did you go to after that? I went to a, a club called uh, County Park for two years um, and they we, there was a few clubs struggling around at the time um, and my, then, then my former club, North Albany, um, amalgamated with County Park who was struggling as well. So we became North County, uh, which we've been ever since. So I stayed at North County for the next 23 to 25 years. So Who were the names that sort of influenced you to go back to North County and, and sort of you know, played alongside for quite a long while? Well, Jeff West was the president of North County and, and Jeff's a life member and, and life member of Albany as well. Um, and I knew him well. We'd played a lot of association cricket together. Um, along with him, uh, we brought a couple of you know, cricketers over, so like Paul Rowe, guys like that, Andy Gray, uh, Paul Nichols came across as well. So our first years, we were, we were a really strong side um, and we remained pretty strong throughout the 23 years, to be honest. But um, at that start, I remember amalgamating two sides. It was um, definitely a benefit. So Paul Rowe, for those who don't know, I'm, I'm guessing you were glad you had him on your team. One of the one of the quickest going around, but you, I'm, I'm thinking you also had to face him at training. I'm guess. Yeah, and Rowe would only bowl to certain people. Like, um, and I think he was even quicker than that, to be honest, Rob. Boy. And he didn't, he didn't, he didn't <laughs> bowl on the line. It was <laughs> so it was another couple of yards quicker. I do, I do remember that being some of the. I don't think anyone could bowl quicker, but... Yeah, he, he was uh, searingly quick. Mind you, about the same time I was up the other end, up in uh, Harvey, having to face a, a guy called Bruno Italiano in the nets every uh, Tuesday and Thursday on a hard wicket with a two, you know, quite often he grabbed the two-piece ball out of the bucket. And I, that was not fun either. Bruno managed to 
spend his whole career in the nets at Harvey bowling in his half of the wicket, let's put it that <laughs> way. So <laughs> so uh, some of the cricket bowlers, Andy Gray, unbelievable cricketer as well. I uh, can remember being on the tail end of some hidings at, from Andy Gray. Yeah, definitely. Andy had a, unfortunately, he went away. Oh, he played 10 years of county cricket, but there were some of the, yeah, the talented cricketers that were floating around early in my day. So I'm going to move to talking a little bit about um, uh, some of the, well, it's a little little process I call asking for a friend. Uh, you may or may not have heard me uh, call this out. This is where I bring in um, some other people other than my voice to, to ask a few questions. And I've got a few here that we're going to work with and we're going to sort of tangent out a little bit on, on these because a lot of this captures the, the amazing um, times you you have had in Albany cricket, and I want to tap into that. So I did get a I did get a few calls, a few messages from uh, at Deering Glen, who uh, has um, been quite um, clear with me that he admires you as one of his favourite cricketers in his time, which is uh, a, a great call out from one of the best we've seen in country cricket. And one of the things that we mentioned before was. He said to, to ask you, he he just admired through your cricket the amount of travelling you did for the Country 11. Did you ever quantify it? Did you ever sort of add up how much, how many miles or k's you did over the journey? No, I didn't, Rob, but I think I went through a couple of cars doing it. But um, <laughs> I, I didn't think too much of it at the time. Um, but as, as time went on, and probably that's the decisions when I made to give it away, um, it probably did wane on me towards the end. Um, but at, at, the, at the the first you know start, no, I would never, never thought twice about it. Can you maybe just explain to some listening in who's going, what do you mean travel? I mean, in your case, if I got this right, especially with with your representation of the country eleven, that involved also playing a lot of games in Perth, the the old what I think was called the Toyota Cup. Um, so. Quite often you'd play locally in Albany and then have a game on Sunday in Perth or somewhere else. Is that correct? Yeah, we'd have four games before Christmas um, and you throw in a Country 11 camp before that. Um, whereas, so I'd play cricket till 7 o'clock probably on a Saturday from a local club side, North County, and then travel to Perth, get there at 11 o'clock, get up and play cricket wow. the next day and then um, and get back to probably Albany at 11 o'clock on a Sunday night and then turn around and go to work. Um, it was it was a little bit tiring, but at the time, I, I, you know, I was pretty young. I could, you know, um, it wasn't too much of a problem. But yeah, a lot of travel. A lot of a lot of people did. A lot of guys come from you know, a couple from Geraldton, a couple from Kalgoorlie. Um, but yeah, it was worth it. I just yeah, I, well, I, I didn't go on quite that journey. But I, you know, sometimes I, if I had to go to Perth for a game of cricket or whatever, I'd grizzle a bit and I was only come from Harvey. You had another two or three hours on me. So, yeah, uh, yeah I think that, that's pretty amazing. And like you say, you know, and we we absolutely call out the guys still now coming from Cal and and now from the Pilbara as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing they're not hopping in a car just quietly, but uh, even still the commitment to do that, as I said before, is, is something that I think many of us admire greatly. Still on at, at Deering Glen, he uh, said to ask, he wanted me to ask you about 
and I'm pretty sure it was at the Bundaberg Championship that you guys won in 2001-2, the Australian Country Cricket Championships. He tell, told me to ask you about C-ball, hit-ball. What was C-ball, hit-ball? Tell, tell me about that. Oh, well, apparently, well, I'd, I'd been quoted in the Bundaberg paper of, of, after this innings about what had, what had happened in, in the turnaround or whatever. And, and I think I was quoted as saying, uh, Glenn Gehring told me, if you see the ball, just hit it, something like that. <laughs> and I got stitched up, but that was, a, that was the biggest joke for the week. You know, uh, Glenn Daring said this, you know. Because oh. <laughs> he, he tells me at that point when he did apparently, we'll go in inverted commas, say that, um, you you basically hadn't made a run. Many of your uh, your ducks may have come early in that week, but it turned your, turned your week around. Yeah, that's exactly what I was getting back to earlier with him. There's a little thing, not that I'm saying what he said then, helped me out of it, but, yeah, um, uh, yeah he certainly could help. Um, but, yeah, I've got... I got stitched up, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> I can clearly see that in your face. You're, you're wincing at that one. <laughs> um, so thanks to Deer and Glenn on that one, on those questions. Let's move to uh, another person who uh, has sort of been invested in your career, you might say, who very earnestly fired some questions at me, and that's at Timmy Edmonds. So we'll uh, run with some questions from the former coach of the WA Country Eleven. He wants you to recount um, something that he referred to me as quite uh, confronting, a run-in that you had with former Australian cricketer Paul Blocker-Wilson. So uh, he played a few few games for Australia, certainly represented WA and Victoria, I think, back in the day. What happened with the run-in with Blocker? Well, Big Blocker was playing for Rocky Mandra and we were playing down in Bunbury and if you don't know Blocker, he's six foot ten, used to bowl reasonable pace and was you know, scary sort of a character. Um, and he'd been absolutely peppering our young opener. Like, I think he hit him five or six times in the ribs and and, and he was just, he was getting, you could see he was getting really agitated. And I think we got, we'd fallen behind the run rate a bit. So uh, Brennan King, who was captain, told me to pad up and get on with it. So I've gone out there. First ball, playing miss. Big blockers standing in the middle of the pitch. Yep. All right, next one. French cut down to the final leg for four. <laughs> now, big block is standing in the middle of the wicket. If this is the state of country cricket, it's <laughs> if. I won't repeat what he said. And then he kept on saying, I've been playing cricket around the world for 20 years and I've never seen such garbage. <laughs> so I didn't say anything back to him, obviously, but I had to put up with block for the next three or four overs. And everything was similar, uh, similar to that coming out of his mouth. I'm glad you held back. It's a family-friendly <laughs> podcast we've got happening here, so uh, I'm sure it was a little bit more uh, graphic than that, put it that way. Well, but, uh, yeah, you know how to pick your targets, mate. I mean, <laughs> well, not that you really set out to pick it, I'm guessing, but uh, you certainly didn't uh, enthrall bl- Blocker on that day <laughs> by the sounds of it. At Timmy Edmonds uh, also wants to sort of tap into one of the things about country cricket that I think... Um, is well, I won't say it's unique because I think it happens in footy and, and all sorts of sports. But the the rivalries that happen in country cricket it can be pretty deep, and uh, many many that have played long careers like you have uh, have experienced a lot of those rivalries. So at Timmy Edmonds, and I reckon there's a bit of tongue in cheek here. He wonder he wanted you to just share your thoughts on how much love you have for <laughs> Bunbury cricket. Uh, <laughs> do you want to do you want to share some thoughts uh, there? <laughs> I'm not sure what he wants me to. I know what he wants me to say here, but I, no. 
Yeah, you did right, Rob. There's a lot of rivalries. I mean, I have a lot of friends at Bunbury Cricket, so I probably, yeah, wouldn't say. But they, they just seem to beat us um, if, if in the big finals, um, along with a, a lot of other associations did. Peel had their time. Um, mm. Kalgoorlie had their time. And we have a massive rivalry with Mount Barker, which is hard to believe, you know, mm. um, just down the road. You know, that's that's a different level as well. But um, unfortunately, they've dropped away and they're joining our association. But no, I know Bunbury, um, yeah, I have respect for them. But, um, yeah, I'll t- like you say a lot beating them as well, Rob. Yeah, I'm guessing you enjoyed the the winning part of it. I know at Harvey Leshnell, we still talk about the first time we ever knocked over Bunbury at, at Country Week and it was... Uh, just to, to look over on their camp and just just see the absolute dismay and distress, I think, you know, just made, made our day. I don't know, it's pretty sad really to say that, but that's the truth. Uh, out at Midland Guildford one yeah. day there, we knocked them over. Uh, so, uh, yes, I, I, I've got to say, we, we probably had a similar uh, love-hate relationship with our friends in Bunbury. Um, Timmy, at Timmy Edmonds, also want you to expand on that. What During your time, you've mentioned some already, especially at your own club, but perhaps in opposition teams. Who's some of the characters of the game that you remember that you, uh, you, you kind of look at and go, well, maybe they, at the time I wasn't necessarily a fan, but now I look back and see that they were real characters in, in country cricket. Well, most of those I think I played um, in the countryside with, you know, like some of the real uh, characters, as I say, you know, like Chris... Chris Waddingham, um, he was in the early years, um, and Dale, Dale Burns, I've mentioned him before, well, obviously Glenn Deering, Brendan King, they were the guys when I first yeah. got into the team um, that were the, you know, the characters. Um, he used to enjoy life. And what about more locally at an Albany level? You've mentioned some in your own team at North County where there are opposition players in Albany that, you know, kind of, again, you love to hate but, probably in some ways inspired you to play better cricket, you know, and there's been some big names over the years. Yeah, there were. Got a few of those. Yeah, there were. Um, so the early eight, it's normally, the, yeah, the better cricketers that used to, you know, challenge you a lot. So Brian Woods uh, was one of the, the better cricketers when I started, started playing. We used to enjoy the challenge, um, yeah, playing against him for sure. And and like I said, you know, if you're, most of them guys probably made you a better cricketer because of the way they challenge you. Um yeah. Some of the things that were said on the on on the pitch, you know, that just toughened you up. I reckon. Um, yeah. And looking back, I think things are a bit different now. Yeah, some of the younger kids, yeah, probably didn't like some of the things I said, but um, that that's how it was. That's how I was brought up, and I thought, well, that was cricket. Mm. I've got to I've got to raise the ultimate rivalry that I know that you guys had at North County, and that was with with another club, and it. There's a bit of a famous story in country circles about a game that still uh, kind of doesn't necessarily sit too well with some, let's put it that way. Do you want to recount the rivalry? And I think you know what I'm talking about. There was uh, some newspaper articles floating around about (laughs) it at the time. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think it went all the way to the Australian Cricket Board, Rob, Um, and and this is North County and Railways, and and I think I was talking to you off here before about like some of the games, it felt like war when we played them. Um, and, and and some people say it was a rivalry. I think sometimes it was more than that. Like we didn't <laughs> we didn't get on. We didn't we didn't have a beer. We didn't talk to each other. Um, there was a couple of guys used to play in the association side, but that wasn't it. Um, so yeah, the the one the game you're referring to is um, 
we had to win our last four games to make the finals and we were doing that and we were, we were playing two-day cricket and we were halfway through this, the last game and the only way that we could be kept out of the finals was if Railways had a draw or a tie, a tie, sorry, with their team that were playing. So chasing 228, they declared on the score of 228. So they shared the points in North County were kicked out of the finals or out of the finals. Oh, wow. So, Rob, that that uh, sparked a few interesting conversations between our two clubs. Did, uh, and how did that end? There was, like you say, there was a dispute over that one. Did, uh, did, did you get that overturned or did it uh, go through? Well, we went straight to the WACA uh, and the WACA referred it straight to the ACB. That's how big it was. Um, and as it turned, uh, Broadway's were stripped of their points through a clause in the ACB of um, deliberately um, doing something to handy opponents in, in trying to win a game of cricket or something to the point. But Influence, influencing a match, perhaps, is yeah, that the term? Yeah, that's or, the one, Rob. Yeah. And then, yep. whereas, you know, this whole spirit of the cricket thing was, well, funnily enough, it's still, you know, being talked about. Um, but Rowers were, yeah, stripped of their points. Um, and we went on to win the Premiership, which was even better. But they're funny. <laughs> that would have gone down well. Oh, and, you, and you ask me about, say, some days, you know, you laugh about it one day, but I've got friends on that team and we still have not spoken one word about that game. I mean, there were lots of heated words said after that match, but uh, never have we, we shared a laugh or a joke about it because... I mean, they still think they were in the, what they were doing was fine and we still think we were hard done by. So it, it's one of the things while we agree to disagree and, and they would just don't talk about it. It's fine. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm, I must admit, I mean, I'm not trying to laugh uh, because no doubt at the time it was pretty uh, serious. But uh, right now I'm thinking, wow, we've just turned out on the paddock into, <laughs> you know, some sort of controversial you know, program that I almost feel like I need railways to, you know, <laughs> have the opportunity to come and, you know, recant the story or uh, <laughs> tell their side. So that's it does call out what, like, well, I think the thing that we're talking about off air, as you said, was more around the fact that, you know, in country cricket, there's been some outstanding rivalries and at times maybe they did get a bit inappropriate. You know, Harvey versus Benja back in the mid-90s and into the early 2000s was as fierce as I've ever played in any form of sport across many sports. Um, you, you know, most people listening in are going, where the heck's Benja? But uh, they were a mighty cricket club and they would beat us, the Harvey Cricket Club, more often than not. But it was fierce rivalry and, and sadly and probably inappropriately at times, we wouldn't drink together, we wouldn't talk to each other. Uh, in a touch of irony and possibly the only good part of it is the two clubs eventually amalgamated um, and got together and went on to play some pretty good cricket together and uh, win some premierships. So it can can turn around, but uh, your rivalry in WA country cricket, you can't underestimate it. It was pretty, pretty fierce. Talking of uh, legends of country cricket, my last questions in asking for, for a friend in this session comes from, uh, in my mind, one of the bigger ones of, and certainly one who's lasted longer than most, and that's uh, at Terry underscore Eaton. Now, I'm going to run with the fact that I've just 
you know, many people will probably recognise straight away, I've just flat out made that up because I'm not <laughs> even sure if Terry knows about social media, no. but uh, shout out to Terry. He's still uh, not happy with me calling him Captain Grumpy in a recent episode, but uh, that's how I remember, remember Terry. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry, mate. But he did fire a, a couple of questions your way that uh, he, he wanted me to ask you on the podcast, and that is he wa- he, he's not happy about the fact that, you know, he played a very, very long career. I'm not sort of unsure that he's still not having a crack every now and then, but uh, he, he wants to know why did you retire too young? That's what he wants to know. Um, I think things had changed in our cricket and the way things have been played and I wasn't enjoying it as much as it was very much um, it was competitive on the ground, but the social side of it as well, um, things had changed at our club. And uh, that's it. Sort of had waned a little bit, and and it became a bit of a, a very much a struggle to get a cricket team. Um, we were playing short, um, and also, you know, my partner and my two, my two young boys. Um, it was yeah, you know, it was a big ask for them. I was going up bush in the off season and umpiring, and then playing cricket in the in the summer. So that was every weekend taken up. So I think something had to give. And and I'm happily retired, so I'm in, I'm looking enjoying summer, and so yeah, I probably could have kept going, Tez, but I'm happy. I'm happy that I've retired. <laughs> okay, to, to someone who just made the art form of keep going and going, Terry Eaton, what a what an amazing cricketer! Not only was he was, but he he certainly continued to be pretty competitive right right throughout. And I still catch up with him and uh, enjoy Terry's company immensely. And we might uh, try and grab him on the podcast at some stage, I reckon. Um, final question, and uh, sort of leads into what you just said. He, he's he's also not happy as he always was. <laughs> Terry, Captain Grumpy, you know, he's not happy about your retiring too early and he's not. He's also not happy as to why you don't umpire cricket because he wants to, um, you know, examine the fact that you've had a pretty long and extensive and, and well-decorated uh, football career as an umpire. What is it, don't about Terry's question, by the <laughs> way, but uh, what, what, what is it about football umpiring that you've, you've really enjoyed over the journey? Oh, I'm not sure, Rob. It's, it's something that I've done for 13 years and... And it's hard to explain to someone who doesn't do it and people look back and say, so I would never do that um, because you've got too much. But it's hard to explain why you enjoy it, but you just, it's its something, it's a challenge and um, and, and you do get enjoyment, hopefully, out of making you know, a good decision or whatever. And at the end of it, you, you enjoy the game as much as the players do. Um, but, yeah, cricket umpiring, it's a, it's a long, long day and I'd happily... If I was going to spend that time down there, Tez, I'd be still playing, I reckon. <laughs> mm, yeah. It calls out a, a bit of a challenge we do have in WA Country Cricket right now, and that is is umpiring. We've got some regions that are kind of hanging in there and doing okay with umpires, but uh, as you've no doubt experienced with, with football umpiring, it is pretty challenging. Um, you know, players, spectators sometimes probably don't appreciate umpires to the manner they should do, am I fair in saying that? Yeah, well, with the cricket umpiring, yeah, I mean, it, it just happens a lot quicker than um, football, I think, you know, that in that split second, you know, the edge that goes through, you know, I think it's the oh, fair play to the cricket umpires. I mean, I think you've really got to love it and enjoy it to be out there and, and, and well done to them. Um, but, yeah, the footy umpiring, yeah, the spectators are the, 
the probably the only issue. Um, the players are probably the ones that you can control, and if you can't control them, then you shouldn't be umpiring. But um, yeah, the spectators. When that guy pays his ten bucks to get in, he thinks he can say what he wants, and he's probably right. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems to be the right of passage. Pay ten bucks, and you can suddenly become somebody that during the week you're not. It appears sometimes, but uh, yeah, but. Uh, well, mate, uh, sadly, as uh, happens on all these episodes, we need to, to start to wind it up. Um, thanks to at Terry underscore Eaton. If he hasn't got that handle, I'd suggest you go and make it, Terry, because, you know, you need to be on social media, mate. Come on. Uh, and uh, at Deering Glenn and at Timmy Edmonds, thanks for that. Um, Craig Tonkin, it's been an absolute pleasure to, you know, sit down with you and uh, unpack what's been an incredible career. Um, in WA Country Cricket. Uh, I hope um, you're able to reflect and go, it was, you know, whilst it maybe didn't go all the way that you dreamt of as a kid, as, as many of us did, that you can be proud of what you were able to achieve and, and what you've been able to, to experience playing WA Country Cricket. Yeah, thanks for that, Rob, and uh, thanks for having me. I, I've enjoyed every bit of my uh, cricket career and, and when you look back on it um, and all the friends that I've made and all the you know, success that I've had a, a little bit of success along the way, then, yeah, it's something I'll look back on and yeah, enjoy. So thanks very much, Rob. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast and um, I, I, we continue to uh, celebrate cricket in the Great Southern and certainly your influence on that will always be there, I'm sure. So many I talk to still reflect on, you know, the day they got to play with Craig Tonkin or the day they played against Craig Tonkin or whatever, your influence is, is immense, mate. And, uh, well, who knows, maybe we might end up catching up at a family reunion <laughs> one of these days somewhere. So <laughs> it's been great having you on the podcast, mate. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks, Rob. Craig, I believe that many who have tuned in today will have benefited greatly from hearing and understanding how a career of playing exclusively country cricket, as we have just heard, can still bring about so many amazing moments, memories and achievements. Your career is a fabulous example of why WA Country Cricket can provide that and so much more. We genuinely wish you all the very best in retirement from cricket Although I can still hear a certain at Terry underscore Eaton beating at your door right now to make a comeback, albeit perhaps with an umpire's uniform and not a playing kit. So that's it for episode 23 of Out on the Paddock. However, I would like to finish this episode on somewhat of a sad note. Early in October this year, tragically, a long-standing and much-loved WA country cricketer, Jake Rudd, passed away very suddenly. Ruddy has been a, a stalwart of the Eton Cricket Club for many years and his thumping batting and enormous six-hitting is legendary in the Bumbrian Districts Cricket Association. His passing, while still a very active player and member at the Eton Cricket Club, is greatly mourned by the cricket community and all of us would like to pass on our deepest condolences to Tash and the kids as well as the many mates that Jake made over many years playing cricket. Rest in peace, Jake Rudd.